Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, everybody. So today on the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast, we have a returning guest, Jill Granucci Anderson. If you missed her part one, which I released uh, about a week ago, um, go give that a listen before you give this one a listen so that you can hear all about Jill and how she has gotten to where she is today. But we have her back on the podcast today to recap her virtual Boston Marathon experience. Spoiler alert, it went really well (laughs) and it was really great to hear about how everything went and what she would do differently next time. And the girl has definitely caught the marathon bug. So I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with Jill. Jill, welcome back to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. You are status post Boston marathon and you are now a marathoner. Yay. I can't believe it. Sometimes it doesn't really feel real. (laughs) Yeah. To everyone who's listening, hopefully you all listen to part one of this story, but, um, Jill is status post Boston marathon as of yesterday. And she's sounding super energetic already. (laughs) I'm not sure how I've heard like stories that you're just dead after, but honestly, I feel so great right now. That's awesome. Well, that uh, is foreshadowing probably to how the experience went for you. So let's start off by saying, you know, big picture sky view. How did it go? It couldn't have gone better. Um, the First of all, let's talk about the weather. So um, if you didn't listen to the first podcast, I was running uh, my route in New Hampshire along the seacoast. So I actually started in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, went over the bridge into Maine. So did a quick loop in Kittery, came back over into Portsmouth, hit Newcastle, Rye, and Hampton, New Hampshire before turning around um, to head back into Portsmouth. The weather was beautiful. It was 71, partly sunny, no wind, which is incredible for being by the shoreline. And the run itself just, it went great. I was on my feet for four hours and 41 minutes, but it didn't feel like that at all. That is amazing that like the weather panned out because for Boston, I mean, people listening know that the weather pretty much never pans out. So (laughs) it's almost like, (laughs) it's almost like a curse. Um, So that's amazing. Did you end up going to Massachusetts or did you turn around before that third state? (laughs) I did turn around before the third state. Um, just the way that I had set up my course. Um, I knew that 
some people were going to um, be at my finish line. And so I wanted to have it in an easy place where I knew there was parking somewhere that I was very familiar with, which is Portsmouth, because I went to school at the University of New Hampshire. So I spent a great deal of time in Portsmouth while I was in school. Um, and I'm so happy that I ended it in a huge parking lot because the amount of people that came out to support me was way more than I would have ever imagined or even thought of. So there was lots of places for them to park. And then we got to have a nice, uh, socially distant celebration afterwards too. Oh my gosh. I'm smiling so big. That's amazing. (laughs) I'm happy that you got the proper finish line that you deserve. Um, so (laughs) let's kind of go through like the beginning. I know we talked a lot about your overall training, um, you know, for the first time you trained for Boston and then kind of when it was postponed the second round of training, which is when we started working together, we talked a lot about what you changed and what went well, but let's kind of start where we left off in terms of the taper and like how, you were making your nutrition and rest a priority in the days leading up to the big dance. So the taper was something that was brand new to me because I didn't actually get to the taper point the first time around. It's a little bit nerve wracking when you go from running 18 to 20 miles and then all of a sudden you drop down to 12 and then the next week you drop down to nine And I was used to my Wednesday uh, training runs to be, you know, six or seven miles and it dropped to three and it felt like, am I doing enough? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be able to remember how to run on Sunday? And, um, but you do it for a point, obviously tried and true. Uh, Every single runner who is running that distance does do a taper. So tried and true. And I went into the race feeling incredibly rested and ready to go. I've never focused so much on my nutrition, making sure that I was getting enough calories in. I was very diligently tracking calories my fitness pal. And I, um, you, again, I've talked about you providing me with all of the tools that I needed to succeed in podcast part one. But um, the marathon fueling guide was incredible. I knew exactly what to eat the days leading up. And so me getting in 2,400 calories, I think actually the Friday before I got in 2,500 calories. And I was like, this is a major score for me. Um, But I knew exactly what to do. And it, it just made it so easy. I didn't have to think about it because it was already just all. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And like, that's just so, that's so typical, like to feel in a taper, like for something as big as a marathon, which like you said, you put in, I mean, hours and hours and hours of training per week. And then to get to those couple of weeks before, and you're like, am I doing enough? Am I going to remember how to put one for in front of the other? Like, am I losing fitness? I'm, am I eating too much? You know, am I eating the right things? Like, you know, you, it's hard to know how to feel, even if you've done a couple of marathons before, like it, it's the taper still gets most people. <laughs> um, so the fact that you were able to just say, nope, like this is what we planned out and this is what I know I need to do. So I'm just going to try and sit through the discomfort a little bit and trust the process and, you know, rest and actually eat enough 
I mean, 2,500 calories, that is huge. That's awesome. It was awesome. And again, everything that, um, cause you know, you're, I mean, we've talked about this many times, but how maybe cut back on the fiber a little bit. And that's just a way of thinking that I've, I've never thought like, oh, I need to cut back on my fiber. But um, when you are running a marathon, that is very important. So I can't emphasize enough how great it was to have the marathon fueling guide because it really, it laid it out. It made it so easy. Oh, that's awesome. And I know we talked like about individual things that you like to eat and you ended up kind of piecemealing together some of the busy bee like cookbook recipes and then also like the specific examples in the marathon fueling guide. So I'm happy that those resources were helpful to you. Definitely. Um, side note, graham crackers with chocolate hummus on it for a snack. Amazing. I've never thought to do that combination before. Oh my gosh. Yes. So chocolate hummus on everything. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Well, yeah. And you really made that a priority. So you were super well fueled for the day of the marathon. How did like eating um, dinner the night before and hydration and breakfast the morning of go? really well. Um, again, so fueling was a priority for me because I did feel like that was one of my weaker points when I was trying to train by myself. Um, so I really made sure to prioritize drinking water and I was trying to get in a minimum of, um, a hundred ounces of water. I don't know if, I think that's kind of what, where we had netted out on top of getting, um, some electrolytes in as well. And it seems like it could be kind of an easy feat. You know, if you look at one of those hydro flasks, the big hydro flasks, they're 40 ounces. So, okay, that's drinking like two and a half of those. But if you let the day get away from you, it, it can be kind of tricky. So, you know, first thing waking up that morning before I was immediately drinking water. And then throughout the day, just in my in my downtime, I'd be like, just doing a little check in with myself. All right, where are we at with the water? Because I feel like that is something that can easily be overlooked. And that's such an easy thing to make sure you check off, you know, you've put in months and months of hard training. So to go into something that you've been spending so much time training for, without doing something so simple as hydrating, you know, that could really be a game changer in your performance. So that was something that was really important to me. And then also just learning about the importance of electrolytes. Um, I actually do not like Gatorade. I, I said in podcast part one that I love the grape. I only like the grape if it's cold. I learned during my <laughs> run yesterday towards the end. Um, I had, so I'd frozen my Gatorade, um, but towards the end it was all melted. And towards the end I was like, I can't even, this is nasty. <laughs> um, but I, I just learned so much about the importance of having electrolytes before, uh, before the, before the run and during the run and even a little bit after the run too. But, um, it was, those were things that I didn't even make a part of my first training go around. So I'm really, I just feel so much more well-equipped, um, post second time. Yes. Around. And like not to do the spoiler <laughs> alert here, but also you just told me that you feel great today, <laughs> which is huge. <laughs> I do. So I feel like people don't believe me because everyone's like, 
oh, how are you feeling today? And I feel awesome. I feel so great. Um, As I mentioned to you before we started, I had 11 new hires start today. Um, So facilitating their trainings, their onboarding, giving them a tour of three buildings that are each three floors. So up and down stairs. Um, I probably wasn't, you know, sprinting up and down the stairs, but I I was moving about them pretty well. Um, You know, if I, if I've been sitting still for a little bit of time and I go to stand or um, if I do eventually go to sit, my quads hurt a little bit, but I feel overall pretty good. And I really can attribute that to the months of training, the weight training that we've done, and the proper nutrition. Oh my gosh, doubt. your new hires must be like, this girl ran a marathon 12 hours ago, and she's like running around the building, no pressure. <laughs> I think they just think I'm a nutcase, but <laughs> I kind of am, so I'll take Like, it. yes, ma'am, <laughs> boss, please don't yell at me. You are a badass. <laughs> That's amazing. Well... And I remember I, you know, we were talking just a little bit the night before just to make sure you had checked all your check boxes and were feeling good. And I remember you said, I've never prioritized, you know, nutrition and hydration this much in my life. And that's one of those things like you just mentioned, where, you know, day to day, normal daily activities, like, you know, that doesn't seem like that much water um, when you put it into a vessel like, you know, a Nalgene or a Hydro Flask, but like, if you forget to do it or you're not diligent about it for something like a marathon or even anything, I would argue over a half marathon distance, you know, it's really going to come back to haunt you. I can absolutely speak to the haunting part of it. So um, the first half marathon that I ever did um, and I talked about it in podcast part one, I did it with my little brother Um I, again, my longest training run was eight miles. So I probably wasn't as prepared as I should be. I went into mile 10 feeling great and then rounded a corner to a hill. And that pretty much like wrecked my knees. My knees were killing me after that point. Um, The next four days after I could barely walk. I couldn't even put my feet. Like I went, I remember getting out of bed in the morning And I put my feet on the ground and just like shooting pains went up my legs. It was awful. Um, (laughs) This is embarrassing because I consider myself to be like at least a little bit of a fashionista. Not, not terribly, but like I have some style. And um, (laughs) my husband and I were going to an Ed Sheeran concert at Gillette and I had to wear my L.L. Bean uh, slippers to the concert because I could not wear any other shoe like everything else was so uncomfortable and this was like five days after I <laughs> um so the fact that today I'm going up and down stairs I'm wearing like I wore my cute Jack Rogers today like I feel great that's like, amazing <laughs> so I've just <laughs> I've come a long way since that first time well now we on. can gauge the rest of your race efforts by what shoes you can wear the next day excellent and like in terms of comparing you talked a little bit about your first half marathon which I think if people listening to this you know are thinking oh I've run a couple marathons or maybe I'm thinking about running my first marathon 
they can, you know, maybe remember the first time they did a half and how much that hurt (laughs) as a very long distance, Um, you know, and being like, how is a marathon going to feel? And the answer kind of is, you know, it is twice the distance. It seems a lot longer when you're running it. If you're under fueled or not fueled properly, it's going to seem five or six times as longer as a half marathon. You know, can you speak to like, you know, how your fueling strategy, um, which I'm putting in air quotes for your half marathon, um, you know, how that made you feel afterwards versus, you know, your fueling strategy for this, how different it was and how you feel now. Definitely. So the first time around, um, I had no fuel whatsoever because I didn't think I needed it. I knew that I could get through the 13.1 without the fuel. Um, I, I was like, okay, I've done eight, I can do 13. You know, they say the, those last few miles are just mental. And let me tell you, I was pretty close to the finish line and I wanted to quit without any fuel. So then I broke cardinal rule. Number one, don't try anything <laughs> new on race day for my second half marathon. And they were handing out goo packs. Um, and I had no clue. I didn't know anything about them. And <laughs> so they were handing them out. I grabbed one. It was a vanilla goo. I was like, Ooh, vanilla. I love this flavor. It's going to be great. And I didn't know that you should take it with water. So I just took a goo pack and kept going and probably a quarter mile down the road. I'm like, where's the water? I need the water. Where's the water station? But I had foregone that part. I was like, Oh, I've got to do I don't need any yep. water. Keep going. And I was so, so thirsty. So then I spent probably, I think they might have given out the goose at either mile eight or nine. So I spent the last few mi- miles just being like, I need water, I need water. But we were so close to the end that there probably were no more water stations. So just kind of lack of preparedness on my part for those first two halves. Um, In comparison to how my marathon went yesterday, just night and day with, first of all, preparedness, I carried everything on my back. So I had my camelback and then in my hand, I had my little 16 ounce water bottle that was full of frozen Gatorade. And then in the pockets had my honey stingers and my Sour Patch Kids. So I carried everything on me, which was um, great because when I needed something, it was available. I didn't have to wait for an, a water station or a fueling station. Um, we had gone into this marathon with a plan. So I knew that each mile it, there was going to be some kind of intake. It was either going to be water, Gatorade, uh, honey stinger or sour patch kid. So that made it easy. It also gave me something to look forward to. And, um, I, you know, I feel like I nailed it and felt so feel so good today just because I went in so prepared. yeah your body you know it had it had things to use while it was breaking down to prevent further breakdown during your marathon which you know I think we we talked about like 32 sour patch kids like four honey stingers two liters of water 16 ounces of Gatorade which everyone's fueling plan looks different for what works for them and what they practice in training but that's what we developed for you and kind of spacing it out so you had something to think about each mile. Um, and I think, you know, that really helped your body just stay ahead of the game in terms of breakdown and soreness, because it sounds like you were pretty like steady Eddie throughout the whole thing. 
exactly I was and I you know I go back and I look at my splits and mile 18 19 I started to slow down a little bit but I would say for the first 18 miles I was pretty consistent with my timing and I I just attribute that to being well first of all practicing and being very consistent but then also um just having the strategy having the fueling and let's go off of that so here's just like a a point blank question would you say you hit a wall at all mile 18 through 20 were my hardest and I was very lucky to have my friend Jen um running with me she has completed the Boston Marathon two times so I kind of strategically placed her there because I feel like you're still far enough away that you can start to have head games. Um, so placing her mile 17 through 20 was uh, really, it was really, really great to have her there. I remember in mile 18, I kind of got like a little bit of a cramp, um, like in like my lower left, like, I don't know, abdominal okay. area, I guess you could call it. And um so she's like, just try putting your hands over your head, see if that helps. And it did, it, it went away after I did that a couple of times. Um, and I just remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm so far from the end. But I know right now that I just need to run the mile that I'm in, run the mile that I'm in. And I think that that's something that since you and I talked about this weeks ago about just running the mile you're in, focusing on one foot after the other just getting to that next milestone instead of thinking about how much further you have to go. I think that that really mentally helped me get over, um, get over that like headspace of like, Oh my God, I still have so much further to go. I'm starting to feel like I'm hitting a little bit of a wall. Um, and ultimately I, I, I love that run the mile you're in. Cause I feel like that can be taken from marathon training and just applied to real life too. You know, there are so many external factors that can be affecting your life. But if you're just focusing on like right here, right now, what's in front of you, you can accomplish so much more. And that's, that's really how I felt yesterday was just like, focus on the here and now don't worry about mile 23, 24, 25, focus on 18, just focus on getting through this right now. I love that. And I love, um, you know, I think that's one of those sayings you, you hear, like, you know, when you're sitting at a desk or in your car and you're like, Oh, run the mile you're in, you know? Okay. And then like, once you start applying it to whatever you're doing when it's hard, it's like, Oh, okay. Run the mile you're in. Do not think about mile 21 if we're at mile 20. (laughs) Um, yeah, exactly. The, um, I was going to ask too, like some of the, the mental toughness and like getting through, that hump or wall, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, for someone who's running their first marathon, you're usually running, you know, longer than you've ever run before. Once you hit that mile, 18, 19, 20 ish mark, um, like once you crossed that barrier and you had your friend Jen with you, like, how did that feel where you were kind of in that unknown territory? So it was a little bit nerve wracking because, Um, something that made me so nervous were that there were so many people who had come to watch me. And so I feel like I tried to be a little bit conservative with my pacing because I, I wanted to make sure that I finished because there were so many people there. 
Um, what was really, really awesome was that after my friend Jen subbed out, my friend Ryan subbed in and he was the one that I went to actually watch run Boston last year. And he was kind of the one that inspired me through everything through uh, all of his running last year through all of his fundraising that he did I was like I have to do this at some point in my life like what Ryan did is it's just so cool and inspiring and I need to be a part of an event like this it's so magical um so when Ryan was with me I was like this is the furthest I've ever run let's freaking go like I I've never run this far I'm about to run a full marathon like let's go that's great and that's cool that he was there to experience that piece with you I'm sure he loved that (laughs) he did it was actually hilarious because he um (laughs) he started running with me and he's like are we talking or not talking (laughs) and I just give him a thumbs down (laughs) Oh, that's what a good guy. That's the perfect question to ask when you're starting to run with someone at mile 20 of a marathon. (laughs) So then like a a little while later, I was like, well, you can talk to me and I'll just nod. And so he had gone uh, like such a good friend. He was at a wedding the night before on the Cape, left the Cape, got up super early to come and run with me. Um, that means so much to me, but (laughs) then, so I was like, okay, tell me about the wedding. And then he was just telling me like ridiculous details that I didn't need to know, but it passed the time. I I love weddings and I love hearing those nitty gritty details about this, that, and the other thing. So he was getting very specific and we were talking about wedding. Well, he was talking about weddings. (laughs) You were just listening (laughs) to kind of, yeah. Yep. Well, and I love like for those people who maybe still have yet to run Boston, we're going to get this episode out pretty quickly. I know a lot of people have had to postpone even their virtual races because of crazy wildfire conditions out West, which Mm -hmm. 2020, I mean, just keep it coming, I guess. But, um, you know, we'll try and get this episode out quickly. So if you need any virtual race ideas, you can, you can get them from this rock star because she had an Excel sheet. She had people signed up to run certain mileage with her at certain paces at certain points. I mean, you were so well prepared. And I think, you know, it's sad that, you know, we couldn't go and be in person at Boston and experience the environment there. But I think you really did a good job of still making it a really big deal and like, you know, making it fun and, and having some of those like external distractions, like your friend randomly talking to you about someone's wedding, like those things are huge and they help make it extra special. So like, was there anything else that you kind of planned for on the course that you were like, that was a really good idea that helped me a lot? Pick a beautiful run, first of all. That would be my first uh, piece of advice. Um, I love the New Hampshire seacoast. As I mentioned, I went to school at the University of New Hampshire, and I absolutely love the seacoast area of New Hampshire. It's so beautiful. There are so many dream houses that line the New Hampshire seacoast that make your run just so much more enjoyable because you're looking at these houses you get caught in a daydream of owning one (laughs) one day and it's just (laughs) it's truly magical but um I also just need to give a shout out to I was calling them my hype squad (laughs) all day 
um, my friends and family, they were, they, they made the race for me. And as I mentioned to you during podcast part one, um, I signed up to run Boston because it was such a magical feeling and the people really carry you through. And my people did that for me on my own course. There were people everywhere um, all along the course. And it just, it meant, it means so much to me and it will be something that, yes, I didn't get to run real Boston, but I got to run a marathon by myself and have all of my friends and family along the way. And it was so, so great. Um, and just one funny side story, as, as you know, I do love to talk, (laughs) um, this adorable man, he was so cute. He was wearing, he was biking along the coast and wearing this little red biker top. I don't know what biking gear is called, <laughs> but had this biking top and he was pulled over onto the side of the road and he was clapping for me. And he, he goes, are you Jill? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I don't know who you are or what's going on, but people out here, they <laughs> love you. I, they're just they're up and down the coast. And it was the <laughs> cutest thing. I was just like, this random man stopped his bike ride to celebrate me. And it was so cool. And it was because he had seen my family members for 26.2 miles stopping at all different points along the New Hampshire seacoast. So even strangers were getting into it. And the other really cool thing were there were other Boston runners out. Every time I'd see one, I'd say, you're doing so great. Like, this is such a great experience for us. And they would have um, people on bikes following them, people on bikes on front of them, in front of them with like those clapper things and bells. So it was, although it was a marathon that I was running by myself, I never once felt lonely. Oh my gosh. The story with the man is amazing. That is absolutely (laughs) a testament to how hype your hype squad was. Go them. I love that they just fully embraced the opportunity because if you know anything, if you go to like a big marathon and you try to spectate, it is really hard to see your runner multiple times. Like even to spot them once in like a crowd of people is difficult. So I love that they were just like so into that for you to the point where strangers noticed. I mean, that is like, that's huge. (laughs) I'm slow clapping for them right now. and I was was hoping that you were going to get to see some other runners too I know um there's a lot of running groups in the seacoast area and it was going to be a really beautiful day in terms of weather so I hoped that would happen and it's such a pretty area to run so they all had the same idea you did that's awesome it really is and it was so awesome. As soon as I was done, there were runners running by me that were running Boston. So I got to become a part of their day too and make their day a little bit, well, hopefully a little bit more special. That's awesome. And like, well done on just like placing people and getting all of that together because that that's definitely challenging, but it sounds like it really helped make the day extra special for you, which is priceless. It was all them, really. I just sent them a spreadsheet and was like, this is my type A personality. This is where I will be. This is my estimated time. Um, These are a few spectator spots that I know along the way. And the rest, it's on you. Thank you for supporting me. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, if you, like, had to change anything about how the day went, would you change anything? Well, (laughs) this is just me being my competitive runner self, but um, 
I already, I can't wait for my next marathon because I'm like, all right, time to beat that time. Okay. So my next question was going to be, do you want to do another marathon? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I can't wait. Um, I would really love to run a real marathon. Um, that is as incredible as the virtual experience was, I do want to experience what it is like on race day as well. Um, so I absolutely will run another one. And you know what, if it does end up having to be virtual, I'll take it. Um, my preference would be that it be a real race, but, um, and by real race, I'm not discounting what I did, but I just mean like something that's like unofficial, you go there, you're with other runners type of a type of a type of event well the fact that you're willing to run another virtual one speaks mountains of how good of an experience you had (laughs) because that's not something (laughs) a lot of runners you know withdrew their bibs when they learned boston would be virtual but you kept trucking along so that's huge i mean you embodied everything that marathon is supposed to be so really nice job i think i speak for everyone listening when I say amazing job and really pumped for you to do another race. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited too. And to be honest with you, like the biggest thing that I learned through this, and I truly believe that it can be applied in all areas of your life is running 26.2 miles is something that it seems impossible. But if you take that big goal and break it down into small little itty bitty steps along the way, small little itty bitty goals that you can reach along the way. When you actually do that final 26.2, it, it doesn't feel as hard as it once seemed. And I faced setbacks. I faced gut challenges. I faced bad runs. I faced bloody (laughs) toes. (laughs) I faced running out of water. And there were a lot of setbacks. But at the end of the day, all of the preparation and all of the hard work really, truly does pay off. And I, I really believe that you can apply that anywhere in your life. Take a big goal and break it down and into small little steps and eventually you'll get there and eventually. Yeah. And do you, and I love like that you're able to kind of take that big picture view of a goal and break it down. And like you said, I mean, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows the whole way, but you got a heck of a day out of it and a really good experience. And you're like waltzing around your work environment with 11 new hires and fancy shoes the next day. So (laughs) I think that's pretty good, Jill. Um, You know, would you, would you say that like working with, you know, someone one-on-one in that process kind of expedited, like, you know, invalidated any feelings you were having or helped make that go by a little bit, um, like more efficiently at all? Absolutely. And I, I can't wait for my next marathon and I've already told my husband, I'm like, I can't wait for my next one so Holly can help me get faster. <laughs> um, but I I feel like I alluded to this um, in podcast part one, but I just feel like I had everything I need. I knew what I needed to do. And that really helped me achieve such great results yesterday. I couldn't, I really, I truly couldn't be happier. And you've played such a huge part in that. And I'm so, so thankful that, um, we met and that we 
reconnected and stuff like that and it's it's been so great well I'm really excited for your next one too (laughs) let's get faster but first because I know we're going to talk about this offline eventually because I don't want our listeners to get anything twisted but you are taking a week off from running (laughs) at least and we are going to do this smartly because with all of my clients, I never end on the day of the race and say, okay, bye, good luck. Because, you know, part of setting that really strong foundation is knowing how to recover from a race and knowing, you know, what to do so that your next one can be, you know, even better and not to have as many big setbacks because I've seen and experienced myself you know, so many runners jump back in too fast because, you know, you're high off of that day and you're like, that was so fun. Like, I feel good the next day. Yeah. Let's just go for a run. And, you know, I really like to, to see you avoid the mistakes I've made myself and have seen others make as well. So, you know, we definitely have some things to talk about in the next couple of weeks while we're still, you know, kind of working through (laughs) this race, but yes, absolutely. You have, you know, learned about so many things and set such a great foundation, um, for your training as a runner and as a marathoner. And I can't, I mean, I cannot wait to see what you do next because you're, you're capable of amazing Me things. Too. Thank you. Me too, though. I, I, um, I built such a strong foundation that I look forward to just our last couple of meetings with each other so that, you know, we're going through the recovery plan. And then we kind of have what I like to call the maintenance plan of I have worked my buns off since last October, if you will, um, to get into some kind of shape. And I don't want that to go all away. But I know being in marathon shape forever is actually, you know, very difficult, if not impossible slash not healthy. So I'm really looking forward to working with you on the maintenance piece of things. And um you know, just continuing to build that foundation so that when marathon number two comes around, I'll be ready. And yeah, I'll be faster. absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add before we end this podcast episode? Um, just want to give another shout out again to my hype squad. I love you all. Um, friends literally all across the country were sending me DMs and sending me texts voicemails and then the people who actually got to be there in person um it means so much and everyone made it a day that I will never forget that's so good to hear well I think I speak for everyone who's listening who has run a marathon before when I say Jill welcome to the 0.5 percent of the population who's crazy (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we're crazy I mean I'm not saying it's a bad thing (laughs) I think (laughs) awesome well thanks so much for coming on the episode and we will talk soon all right sounds good thank you jill thank you so much for coming back on the show to recap your marathon experience the day after your marathon which is a huge energy commitment. So thank you so much for doing that for us so that everyone could hear how your experience went. I'm so glad that it went well. And I am so excited to see what is going to come next out of your training and your love for this crazy endurance sport called running, which as you coined is your new adult sport that you've adopted. 
If you are wanting to learn more about what it might look like to work with me one-on-one as either your nutrition and or fitness coach, please visit fitcookienutrition.com or shoot me a message on Instagram. My handle is just at fitcookienutrition and you can set up a free discovery call to learn more so we can chat about your goals. You're also welcome to peruse my marathon fueling guide and busy bee cookbook and meal planning guide that Jill referenced in the podcast episode. Those are available for purchase at fitcookienutrition.com. And until next time, guys, happy running.